Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. Truth Transistors, welcome to my very first podcast, episode one on my Spotify called Truth Transistor Radio, and this episode will be called My Journey Towards Truth. I hope you enjoy uh, what I'm going to be, the things I'm going to be talking about. It's going to be about truth. Uh, You know, if you want an idea of the kind of things I'll be talking about, check out my YouTube channel called, also called Truth Transistor Radio, and you can get an idea. Uh, On YouTube, I feel like I have to edit things down and keep it kind of short, but my podcasts on this channel will probably be approximately one hour long, and it'll be more free form. So... My goal is not to make money. It's not, you know, to have clickbait kind of topics. Uh, I'm not going to ask for any money. I actually uh, run a pool business that I'm trying to uh, grow. Uh, But I want this to be pure, plain and simple, that everything that I talk about is from my heart and what I believe is true, and it's not going to be about trying to draw people in with entertainment and clickbait titles and things. But my actual goal is to maybe create a, on, an online community of people that, that have similar interests. It's not necessarily my intention to try and push people to believe what I believe, but to think about the things I say, and if you have any comments or questions or anything, uh, feel free to email me at truthtransistorradio at at gmail.com, and I would love to hear from you, and perhaps sometime down the road, you know, maybe we could have a Zoom group uh, thing or whatever, but... uh, I'm not argumentative. It's not my goal to win arguments. It's more my goal to have discussions and learn from different people's perspective. I can tell you 100% that I'm not right about everything. That's perhaps the one thing I'm most sure about. But in my journey of seeking and and looking for the truth, uh, the things I'll be discussing on my podcast are what I've kind of come to, uh, but it's a constant journey that will be continuing the rest of my life. I'm sure that 10 years from now, I'll look back on a podcast that I've done that I'll do this year and think, well, I don't agree with that anymore. So it's a constant journey. And my only agenda is to try to find the truth. It's not anything else. But I hope that what the things I have to say are interesting to people, and I can find like-minded people to have 
an online community with and have conversations with and I can learn from you as well. At this point, I have no plans of having guests. I have a bunch of topics I want to get to in chronological order. And maybe down the road, once I get a lot of these basic topics done, uh, I may plan on having some guests. There's people that I have in mind that I would love to have on at some point, but I don't really know what I need to do to reach them yet. I mean, I know how to reach them, but uh, maybe I should at least create a little bit of history of podcasting first uh, so that they might have a better idea of who I am and, and what I stand for. In this first episode, I'm going to give you a bit of my history, my upbringing, uh, the things that I've been into that have led me towards seeking these kinds of things. And it's, I would say that at first it was more about entertainment and then it became more something that I took more seriously. So this are, these are the kinds of things we're going to be talking about today. But first, here's a word from a fake sponsor. Like many other men, I suffer from a full head of hair. Hi, I'm Sidney Scheinberg. Male pattern hairiness can be cured when you join the Hair Loss Club for Men. Using the power of radiation technology, we hit you with our specially created follicle phaser. These rays disintegrate scalp cells and kill every hair on your head right down to the roots. In just days, you'll start losing unwanted hair and start a new life, free from those pesky hair care worries forever. It's great. I mean, I've always looked at people like Telly Savalas and Yul Brenner and thought, man, I wish I could have a head like that. Now I can. Thanks, Hair Loss Club. I can shower in it, I can swim in it, I can bungee jump in it, and my wife loves it. So kiss those hair gels and shampoos goodbye. Come to the Hair Loss Club for Men, where I'm not only the president, I'm a client. Just to give credit where credit is due, that was a clip from Mark Lowry, remotely uncontrolled. He's a Christian comedian, so I want to give him credit for that. So. Uh, since I don't really have sponsors, I thought it would be fun to fill a little time with some comedic bits early on that I will give credit to, and, uh, and then I'll continue. So, let me go ahead and start with my topic of the day, my journey towards truth. I grew up in a Christian home, and... I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was six years old. I remember we went to a, a play of the life of Christ at some church. It wasn't our church. It was, uh, I don't know where it was, but it was a different church than we normally went to. And I think I asked some questions when, I was, when we were on the way home. And then when I got home, I asked Jesus into my heart. And what I understood was that Jesus offered to pay the penalty for my sins and because I deserve to go to hell, but if I asked him to come into my heart, then he would forgive my sins and I would go to heaven when I died. So that was my understanding, my limited understanding of salvation when I was six years old. And some things that I can tell you about my parents is that they were not fake. They were legitimate. They were sincere Christians. This was their life, 
it wasn't like when we get to church, we're going to act a different way. But at home, you know, there's drinking and abuse and all that stuff. No, none of that. My dad told me something as a kid that I've always that has always stuck out to me. He said, I'm not religious. I'm in a relationship. And what that always told me was that Christianity was real. I mean, to to uh, to him and to my parents, this was real. They believed in a real creator that they had a relationship with. This was not just going to meetings uh, and, you know, a religious rituals and, and things of that nature. It was it was a real life thing. And it wasn't just Christianity wasn't just a way to live a happy life or uh, moral guidelines and things, although that's a part of it. Uh, joy comes from having a relationship with the Creator. But a, a big part of it, uh, but the major part of it was having a relationship with the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Creator of all things. And so this is my understanding and that the Bible that we have is inspired by the Creator, and it's the truth. It's the truth about the world that we live in, the history of the world, and it also gives message, the message of truth. And we learn from things that happened in real, real life in the past. And I have a very difficult time. Some people, for some reason, say that they don't necessarily have to believe that the Bible is historically accurate, that that they still get a good message from it and all that. But for me, if it's inspired by God and it's a book of truth, then to me, if the history, historical claims in the Bible never happened, and it's just all allegories or, or what have you, but the way they're written, a lot of it is written to be historical, to its claims of history, and if we find out that none of that happened or, or it's inaccurate or anything like that, then I would have a difficult time following that book. And that's just me. That's just my thinking. And so, you know, uh, so as I got older, um, well, first, let me just say that I've always been interested in strange things. And this is part of what I'm going to be talking about, <laughs> uh, a part of my mindset and why you know, certain things were interesting to me. But as a kid, I loved movies like Wizard of Oz, Willy Wonka, Alice in Wonderland, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I heard about End Times for the first time when I was about 12. And this was coming from the Baptist, Southern Baptist, and it was very, you know, pre-tribulation rapture. What I was taught was based upon was similar to Left Behind, you know, the Left Behind series. And uh, and so that was my first uh, under um, first time I heard about end time stuff, but I was fascinated by it because I always liked strange things. You know, I liked strange movies, and then I discovered strange music. And uh, I would listen, ever since I was a teenager, I would listen to AM radio late at night, and I would kind of cruise through the channels and find some very strange things. There was a guy named David J. Smith from Waco, Texas, that uh, I was more entertained by, and it kind of made me laugh more than I took it seriously. Um, I'm not making fun of anybody out there. I'm just telling you 
my thinking of it, and I, I thought his voice was funny, and um, he believed that Waco, Texas would be protected from the Great Tribulation. He believed things like that the lost tribes of Israel became the Germanic tribes, and that the United States is the new Israel. These are things I don't believe in, but I I, I was entertained by, by it. And then eventually I found Coast to Coast AM, which was entertainment heaven for me. If you aren't familiar with Coast to Coast AM, I, I don't know. I haven't listened in a long time. I'm not, I don't think it's still on in Dallas. Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked because usually it's on in the middle of the night. And since I'm, I work during the day, I don't really listen to it. And plus, I don't agree with a lot of it anymore. Uh, I think there's some interesting things in there, but at the time, I was just entertained by a lot of the things. But if, if you're not familiar with Coast to Coast, it's basically conspiracy theories and vampires and aliens and Bigfoot and time travel. They would have guests on that claim to be experts in these things. Uh, they had a guy that had time machines <laughs> and... Uh, they talked about it as if it was real, and I assume most a lot of it was fake, but then who knows? So I was very open to it, and I was just entertained by the notion that these things could be true. At the same time, uh, so also in the late 90s, when I started driving for work, and pretty much for the last 20 years I've been driving for work, so I listened to a lot of radio. I started listening to you know, conservative Republican talk shows like Rush Limbaugh and Michael Medved. And at that time, that was my politics. And my politics has changed, maybe not the way you think, but I'll get more into that uh, later. But that was my, my concept. I was a conservative Christian and into Republican politics. But I also was open-minded and, and listened to other things. Uh, and um, I remember watching the Michael Moore documentary when it came out called Fahrenheit 9-11. And that was fascinating to me. I was already familiar with things like the JFK assassination conspiracy theories and, and uh, others that, that I can't think of on the top of my head. But I was, I was entertained by those kinds of things not necessarily believing it or, or embracing it, just contemplating the possibility that those things could happen here in the United States. Um, and, you know, just Michael Moore seemed to blame the Bush administration and Republicans for 9-11. And so it was pretty obvious to me that it was kind of a, that Michael Moore's documentaries are more about a left agenda. And so I didn't take it too seriously, but I still, there were still some good points in there that made me think. But when I would think about it further, I realized, okay, if the Bush administration was behind it, then I would think that Democrats would at least know about this. If some documentary filmmaker could figure this out, then you would think some Democrats would figure it out and they would try to expose the Bush administration. Or good Republicans um, that figured this out would 
not want anything to do with that and they would want to expose it. So um, I had a difficult time figuring out how the Bush administration could get away with that if that's all it was, you know. So I didn't, after thinking about it, I didn't take the Michael Moore documentary too seriously. I just love documentaries and I loved hearing different things. And even if I didn't agree, believe in it, uh, I was still fascinated by it. Um, around that time, I was also listening to a guy named Irving Baxter on the radio who uh, was talking about end time stuff. And he was the first one that convinced me of a post-tribulation rapture based on some passages that he quoted. And I've never been able to find any clear passage for a pre-trib rapture, but those passages in Matthew 24 and Revelation 20, we might get more into that in a future uh, episode. Uh, but I, just so you know, I'm a post-trib rapture. So I give him credit for that. And I give Irving Baxter also credit for making the, he's the first one that I heard that said, we are in the last days right now. And it never really occurred to me that that was possible. I thought it would be obvious. Um, but other than that, I don't know if I agree with a lot of what he said today. Um, but some other fascinating talk shows I would listen to was Bob Larson a guy that would cast out demons on the radio <laughs> and he would talk about that. Now I kind of think he was more about making money than being legitimate. So I, you know, um, but moving forward, when we started getting to YouTube, I discovered, I think a friend of mine uh, showed me YouTube videos of Alex Jones and he said similar things to Michael Moore as far as the 9-11 being an inside job, but he said it was both parties were behind it. And that, you know, the media is control, the national media is controlled by the secret societies and the, and the uh, Democrats and the Republicans are both controlled. And, and so there's an effort to bring about a one world government and take down the American freedom that we have and all this stuff. And I thought, okay, if 9-11 was an inside job, this would be the only possible way that everybody in power was behind it and in on this thing that's being used to bring about a one world government uh, or whatever. So I was a little more open to that. And for several years, I listened to Alex Jones and I found a bunch of other conspiracy type videos on YouTube this being around 2007 to 2010, as I was really entertained, but also fascinated by these possibilities. Um, but I think there was a combination of things that made me start to believe that there was a lot of truth behind this stuff. I would say first was a Kent Ho the Kent Hoven videos. Uh, my same friend that that introduced me to Alex Jones uh, videos also introduced me to Kent Hovind videos. And he did Young Earth Creation kind of stuff, as well as connecting the evolution uh, idea to the conspiracy of, you know, the uh, that man can become gods that's based on the Garden of Eden. Uh, 
the serpent and the, or the lie of the serpent in the Garden of Eden that man can become his gods. And he also talked about the New World Order and and end times prophecy. And he connected these things to end times prophecy. And so at this point, I begin to take it a little more seriously to, to consider the possibility that that there is a conspiracy because the Bible says there will be a one world government in the last days. And so I begin to think, well, maybe there is something to this. And there, I, I did see, I did find a lot of conspiracy theorists that weren't Christians and sometimes they would have new age ideas like there's aliens or, or different things like that. But I tried to look at things from a biblical perspective. Another thing was I met a, a friend in a musical theater, uh, just one of my hobbies that I've done. Um, and we started hanging out. Well, we were just talking and chatting and he, he was interested in or talked about or believed some of these same conspiracies. And he's also a Christian and, and we started meeting up for coffee and stuff and, and talking on the phone and things really till this very day. And with conversations, I've learned quite a bit from him as well. And, and to have somebody else to talk to about these things, because most of my friends, good people, a lot, uh, most of them are Christians uh, and sincere, but they think a lot of this conspiracy stuff, stuff is a little weird. So I was kind of afraid to talk to friends about it and family. Uh, but... And if I did, it was kind of in jest or kind of, you know, just half jokingly, but kind of testing the waters. Um, but so, yeah, those two things kind of helped um, mold my thinking a bit. But around 2010, I saw a documentary called Zeitgeist. And this really challenged my thinking. It challenged my faith. It challenged, perhaps made me want to take truth-seeking more seriously because I really just wanted to know what the truth was instead of it being about entertainment. But a lot of things were going on at this time. I started to realize there were disinformation agents. There were truthers or conspiracy theorists that were calling other ones uh, disinformation agents and they were calling the one that was calling them disinformation. They were calling each other disinformation agents. Uh, a lot of it seemed very more about entertainment and fake and I started to realize that and I wasn't sure what to believe anymore in terms of the conspiracy things because like which ones I thought maybe it's the Christians that I need to believe uh, that I need to focus on. Um, but then I saw Zeitgeist, and this really challenged my thinking, because according to Zeitgeist, in the, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube, I believe it's still up there. In the first 20 minutes or so, it, it talks about religion, and it claims that the Bible was based on ancient paganism and sun worship, things like that the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples were all based on the 12 signs of the Zodiac, that Jesus brought in the age of Pisces, fish, because he made them fishers of men, and that the claim of Zeitgeist was that everything in the Bible was symbolic for 
you know, the ancient pagan astrotheology idea. And I heard things like this from other uh, conspiracy theorists as well, like Jordan Maxwell and uh, William Cooper, although William Cooper was saying this is what they believe, not what he believes. But I have to tell you that my faith was challenged, and I was wondering if if this was if this documentary was in fact correct, or was you know was I duped, uh, you know, or or is this documentary wrong? And I wasn't sure what to think anymore because it was very convincing. And at the same time, I wanted to believe what the documentary was saying, to be honest with you. Uh, I wanted to be morally free to do what I wanted and not live under biblical guidelines. Up until this point, so this was about 10 years ago now, 2010-ish. And up until that point, I lived the Christian life. I believed wholeheartedly in Christianity and the Bible. And and was sincere. Now, I wasn't perfect. I was kind of an immature, undisciplined Christian, but at the same time, I took Christianity seriously. I, uh, and, but, and at times I would have doubts, but I didn't really face those doubts head on until 10 years ago when I saw that documentary. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to put this to the test and take this so seriously because all I want is the truth. And if the Bible's not true, I'm just going to go live what I want to, you know, live the life I want to live. But if it is true, I know that, you know, just because I want to believe something doesn't mean that it's the best thing for me. And it doesn't mean it's true. You know, if you want to believe that pizza and cake and ice cream and Cokes is better for you, that doesn't make it so, you know. Uh, vegetables, as, as much as we don't necessarily like to eat vegetables or exercise, those things are good for us, you know. So I also knew, I didn't want to just, just because I wanted to live a different way and didn't want to believe that I was, you know, um, accountable to the creator God of the universe, didn't mean that it wasn't true. So I wanted to be careful, you know, so I, I, I can't, I didn't stop believing. I was just going to test these things out. So I actually said a prayer, and I would challenge any of you, whether you're agnostic or a Christian having doubts or whatever you are, uh, to, to pray this prayer to the Creator. I'm not going to even tell you who the Creator is. I'll just tell you, just say, um, Creator God, if you're out there, please show me who you are. Please show me the truth, you know, and, and I said this prayer. I also said, um, because otherwise I'd rather live for myself. But I said, if you are real, then I know the best thing for me to do is to take up the cross and follow you. But also I wanted to know if, if there, if you are, whoever you are, the creator God, that if, if you're the God of the Bible, I want you to show me that too. And if you're not, if you're, if the source of truth is somewhere else, then I want to find it. So this was the most sincere prayer I ever had. And to be all and to be honest with you, there was a part of me that was hoping that I would not be convinced of anything, that 
that I would, <laughs> and I didn't, I, I didn't really give a time limit because I didn't want to rush anything, but I also thought, okay, if a few months down the road I have not heard anything or had any kind of, you know, revelation or confirmation, then I'm just going to start, you know, living for myself. And I really kind of said that on my own, but I also wanted to be sure. I didn't want to rush into anything. And honestly, within that first week, God began to work on me. And I became convinced and that God is real and that the Bible is true. And also, I think he's clarified a lot more to me. And I say I think because a lot of people out there think that they know that what the truth is. But I think in terms of conspiracy theories, I think that there's been a lot more discernment on my part in terms of who the disinformation agents are, what the truth really is. And we're going to get into that. And I'll give you a brief preview of the things we're going to be talking about in future episodes. And we'll get more deeply into each topic. So on this ep uh, episode, we're also going to discuss, uh, or I'll, I'll give you some brief, a brief outline of the journey that I've had and the things that have convinced me uh, that the Bible is true and what the true uh, conspiracy theory is, if there is one. But before we do that, I'm going to have this segment that I will play a song by my brother. And the artist is Hendrick, and you can find his music on iTunes. So I would encourage you, if you enjoy this music, look it up, uh, support my brother, uh, buy his music. So let's hear a song, and then I'll continue. Lo and behold, there he was, just what I was afraid of. Lo, I sunk deep into the grass, but there he was, screaming at me. Any place you call home, I'll call it home.
During this brief pause, I'll quickly say that this song is from an album called We Share the Sky, and the name of the artist is Hendrick, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K. If you enjoy this song and you want to hear more, from uh, just a reminder, look up Hendrick, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K, on iTunes. The only full album I could find was We Share the Sky, but there I think there's a few other songs in there. And I'll try to find out what other uh, music uh, downloading sites that he you can find his music on. Uh, but So I'll be playing more songs of his in future podcasts. So, continuing on, uh, I want to talk about when when I asked God to show me what the truth was and the journey that he took me on. And I think that, well, the Holy Spirit was working on me. I truly believe that I was saved as a child and that the Holy Spirit was working with me and he was going to, to answer my prayer, and he did. And so I don't take credit for a lot of this stuff. It's, it's, it, I'm not really that smart. And, uh, you know, I was just, you know, it was more about entertainment for me, and it sort of led me down this path, which I think has led to my YouTube channel and this podcast. So I think the first thing I wanted to know is if the Bible was true. Is this a source of truth or not? So I wanted to know the historical accuracy of it. Now, I was already familiar with Kent Hovind. So I started with creation. And Kent Hovind is one of my favorite because, you know, he's he's one of the best at debating. But he also gets into the the idea behind evolution, that it's it's based on a, a religion and not on science, and that, you know, and also there's a conspiracy theory that this religion that believes in evolution, or believes that man can become God, are the same people that think that they are becoming gods themselves, 
that uh, they're progressing up this, you know, evolutionary ladder and that they are the ones fit to rule over everybody else. So Kent Hovind is one of my favorite. There's many other good ones that don't necessarily get into the conspiratorial side, but uh, Ken Ham is very popular. Um, there's many others, really good ones. And so creation is number one. Number two is the flood. Kent Hovind talks about that as well. Uh, a guy named Carl Baugh, now he has a, a museum not too far from where I live near Dallas, south of Dallas, uh, Texas. I, I can't remember the name of the town, uh, but I went there when I was in, I guess, a teenager and our, our whole church went there for a retreat. And there were, it was very interesting. You know, that's where I first heard about the canopy theory. And that is the belief that, uh, the earth was, surrounded by a canopy of ice and created higher atmospheric pressure. And, uh, you know, if you look at the Bible, people were living over 900 years before the flood. And there was, so there's a lot of interesting mysteries about the pre-flood world. But he gives some very, you know, interesting scientific arguments for that, as well as dinosaur, you know, human footprints and dino, inside dinosaur footprints that, uh, shows that man and dinosaurs lived at the same time. Um, you know, there's other great documentaries about dinosaurs uh, in relation to, to creation. And we'll get into that in future episodes as well. Uh, then, you know, the claim of the Red Sea crossing. And that I just remember maybe a month or two after when I prayed that prayer and seeking I thought, I wonder if there's any evidence for the Exodus, the, you know, the Israelites in Egypt or the Red Sea crossing. I could imagine that there's been people that have swum, swimmed, swam, swimmed, I don't know, <laughs> in the Red Sea that, you know, have found things if it really happened. Now, it's been a long, it's been a few thousand years at this point, but I, I was just curious. So I did a YouTube search and I found some, you know, a documentary by Ron Wyatt. And since that time and his stuff, um, he has other claims I'm not sure about, like where the Noah's Ark is and, and also the Ark of the Covenant. The, the one of the Ark of the Covenant, there's absolutely no evidence for. But he did have pictures of where, where he thinks Noah's Ark might have been. Um, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, there's a place with that, you know, uh, that with this ashy kind of rock that it, they think might be Sodom and Gomorrah. But um, he had some very interesting stuff. Um, since then, there's been other documentaries like Is Genesis History and also Patterns of Evidence. Both of those, I think, are on Netflix. I could be wrong. But, um, yeah, Patterns of Evidence is interesting because it gives historical evidence for Israel in Egypt. And one of their biggest things there is that they talk about the secular history line is off about 200 years. They try to put Moses in with Ramses II, but in actuality, there's more historical evidence in the Egyptian timeline for Israel and for the Exodus and all that 200 years earlier. And so 
those are interesting. Um, and then there's a few others on like the history of King David. I think for a long time, secular historians denied that there was any evidence for David, and it was just a, it was just you know a fairy tale. But there's now evidence for that. There's evidence for the city of Nineveh. Um, there's a good. I haven't found a whole lot on Daniel, the prophet, but one guy, Mike Winger, who does a lot of apologetics that I really like, um, does a good episode on that. Um, as far as the life and resurrection of Jesus, um, a while back I discovered Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict. And, uh, and that was really good. Um, and then in the theater I saw A Case for Christ, uh, a, a biographical movie about Lee Strobel, who also wrote a book with the same title, and that was very good. And, and these were both, Josh McDowell and Lee Strobel were both atheists that tried to go about, that went about to try to disprove Jesus. And in the process, the evidence actually made them, uh, caused them to become Christians. Now, I think Part of it was the evidence, but I think also the Holy Spirit was working on them. Because many people have come across the same information and did not believe. So I just think I have to give credit to the Holy Spirit. Everything that I have come across that I've been convinced of, I give credit to the Holy Spirit. So the next several episodes, the next bunch of episodes will be about Bible history and evidence for biblical events and claims. And then we'll get more into the conspiratorial stuff that I think is connected to end times prophecy. And as I said before, the confusion of all these disinformation agents and everything and who's who and, and what, you know, what to believe, there was one in particular that I think made the most sense and I've become convinced, and not only that, he left resources, and he talked more about the history, the dogma of the Illuminati, the, the, uh, the mystery religions, the ones that are behind it all. Now, I, I don't know that he understood, even Bill, William Cooper didn't understand, that there's demonic forces behind it, so there's a spiritual side of this. And that the human beings are just that. They're, they're not our enemy. Our, our enemy is principalities and powers. It's not people. They have been deceived to believe that they are going, you know, special, that they're going to rule over the world. And they believe it'll be forever. Or, you know, and, and in actuality, if the Bible is correct, they will only get there and succeed for about three and a half years and then Christ will come and destroy them. So they're actually not going to succeed in what they really want to do. But um, William Cooper's Mystery Babylon series, I think, is crucial for anybody who is seeking the, the truth about conspiracy theories, because I think most of the other ones, including Alex Jones, uh, are very confusing, or they have a lot of disinformation, or it's all about fear-mongering, or it's all about entertainment and clickbait, and it's very difficult to find truth, real, real solid truth.
And I've become convinced that William Cooper is, you know, not that I agreed with everything that he said, but I think in terms of the Mystery Babylon series especially, that he gave us an accurate description of who the Illuminati is, what they believe, their history, and, and everything else. And we'll get deeper into that in future episodes, but real quickly I just want to summarize that there's secret societies that are collectively known as the Illuminati, which means illumined ones, that apparently these secret societies claim, and you can read their own writings, uh, occultists such as uh, Aleister Crowley, Albert Pike, Helena Blavatsky, Alice Bailey, to name a few, and, you know, Alice, or, you know, some of them have talked about um, Freemasonry. Albert Pike and, and Al, uh, Alistair Crowley are both occultists who are also Freemasons, and they talk about the, the goals of the Illuminati and, and Freemasonry and other secret societies. Uh, Helena Blavatsky, I believe it was her that started Theosophy, and Alice Bailey started the New Age movement, but they're all kind of connected to this uh, Luciferian doctrine that is at the very top levels of these secret societies is, is what they believe. And it's based upon the Garden of Eden that, according to their beliefs, that Jehovah was an evil and vindictive God, uh, and man was held prisoner in the Garden of Eden until Lucifer, through his agent the serpent, wanted to free mankind with intellect so that we too might become as gods. So these secret societies are set up to where you move up, you get initiated, and you move up the ladder towards illumination. And it's, it's symbolized by a pyramid with the all-seeing eye at the top. And that all-seeing eye is Lucifer, or the illumined man. And the number of the illumined man, according to the mystery schools, the number of the illumined man is 666. So, uh, you know, th this is all fascinating to me. And as far as their claims that it goes all the way back to Nimrod, uh, and, you know, that the Egyptians were teaching the same thing. I don't know how accurate that is, but I do know that the current secret societies go back to the 1700s. Uh, that's what we have definite evidence for. And I think that a lot of their claims, uh, as I mentioned before about that they, th that, uh, you know, what the uh, Zeitgeist documentary was saying is actually what the, Illuminati believes that the Bible is just a perversion of the mystery religion that was based on, it's symbolized by the sun, the sun represents light or knowledge, and so they would say that Jesus was crucified, you know, like the sun is, is crucified and then raises each morning, or that in the winter solstice is at its lowest point for three days before it starts to, uh, <laughs> the days get longer again, um, which is actually December 22nd through December 25th. And so they believe that, uh, that the Bible is just 
based on those things. So everything Zeitgeist was saying, and it was presenting itself as a conspiracy kind of documentary, is actually what they believe. So I believe that Zeitgeist and Jordan Maxwell, either they were deceived themselves, or they were purposefully deceiving others. And I don't know what the truth is. Um, in fact, I would say they're all deceived. I would say that even those at the top of the Illuminati are deceived. They believe what they're saying. I don't think that, you know, now they hold it, they keep it a secret. Um, they consider most of us in the masses to be sheep, to be herded, to be slaves for them. And so that's what they think of us. And they think that the hidden knowledge, the mysteries are only for the those that are worthy to receive it. Now, throughout time, whether or not this these current secret societies go all the way back to Nimrod or to, to the serpent in the garden or not, I don't know. But I believe throughout time, Satan, the serpent, Lucifer, has continually tried to deceive mankind. And he will actually infiltrate he presents himself as an angel of light, and he will come into God's people and pervert the truth. And, you know, you kind of see this in when uh, the Israelites came out of Egypt and they, they built a uh, golden calf to worship, you know, and some of the, they probably took some of the pagan Egyptian religion with them. And Moses, of course, this was not of God. This was, uh, you know, they had been influenced by Egyptian paganism. And Moses, who had a relationship with God, was trying to give them the truth and saying, don't worship any other God except for the true God, the creator of the universe. Um, we'll get into some more of these kind of apostasies throughout history, but I'll just list a few of them for you. Um, one of them is Kabbalah, which I believe began its Jewish mysticism based on Babylonian mysticism. And I believe it started in when Israel was in captivity in, his, in Babylon. Uh, and it's, it's got what they call the oral Torah, and I forget the other the word they use for that. Um, is that the Talmud, I think? But, yeah, one of them is the Oral Torah. Um, and if you really research the teachings, and, and again, the way that it's set up is similar to the secret societies where you have to be initiated and it's like secret knowledge that you grow into and you have to be worthy of it to understand it so you don't pervert it or whatever. But if you really dig deep into what the Kabbalah teaches, it's very similar. It's like mixing Judaism with uh, the mystery religions. And uh, so that's one. Um, you move forward to Christian Gnostics, which uh, in the first couple of centuries after Christ began to, to have that, which is a mixture of the same things, because Kabbalah is Gnosticism mixed with Judaism. And then you had Gnosticism mixed with Christianity, which... Uh, some of the Gnostic Gospels that uh, are not in the Bible, but like the Gospel of Peter or the Gospel of Judas, uh, and there's others that have very Gnostic ideas. Um, so 
from the very beginning of the church, uh, Satan began to work on deceiving them as well. And then throughout history, you had big organizations like the Roman Catholic Church. And, and when I mention some of these, I'm not pointing the finger at every Roman Catholic. I think most Roman Catholics are sincere people, but I'm trying to, I, I will get into in certain future podcasts why I believe that the organization and those at the top are actually connected to, uh, the, you know, the sun worship, paganism, and, and that the organization was never a part of God's uh, church. You know, I think that there, were true, there are true Christians. There have been many true Christians in the Catholic Church. Uh, but I'm just telling you, as far as the foundings and the leaders, many of the leaders of them. Um, there are some questions on Martin Luther, maybe of being part of the Rose, uh, Rosicrucians, which is also a mystery religion uh, secret society. Uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure. He used the same symbol, but um, may not have actually been, you know, the symbol may have been used later by Rosicrucians. So I don't want to jump to conclusions on that. Uh, there's connections with uh, Schofield and uh, whoever, uh, Darby, I think, started dispensationalism. And this some of this may surprise a lot of people. And I'm not, you know, my dad is a dispensationalist, and I, you know, I think he's a sincere, strong believer. He's a much stronger believer than I am, <laughs> and he's much smarter than I am, and he's a dispensationalist. Uh, but um, so I'm not attacking dispensationalists. I'm just saying that Darby, the guy that started dispensationalism, had connections to Freemasonry. Um, the Seventh-day Adventist founders had connections. Uh, Christian scientists. Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism. Um, the, the founder of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses also. And some of these are more obvious, like the doctrines of Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses have very strong Gnostic, uh, you know, mystery religion doctrines in, in their church that man can become a Christ or a, a God. Um, you know, you look at Roman Catholic doctrine of the saints and praying to saints that these are strong Christians that became saints or, or something that you could pray to. So there's somewhat of that idea there as well, which I think is tied in with the idea that man can become gods. Um, and then there's the charismatic movement. There's a lot of good charismatic churches, but TBN in particular has a lot of, uh, you know, heresy in it. Um, you can find clips of them, people in TBN, saying things like, I am a little God, I am a little Christ, which is, I think, part of this whole Gnostic idea. And then there's the emergent church, which is another, uh, you know, the liberal side of it is very uh, Gnostic uh, or, uh, you know, her heretical. Um, and somebody like Rick Warren, for example, um, very prominent pastor, and his doctrine, you know, is not obviously her heretical because, you know, a lot of conservative Christians like Rick Warren. 
but there's certain things that make me question him that he works with the United Nations and that his church does ministry with Muslims, not for Muslims, but with Muslims, like helping the poor, which sounds good, but you have to understand that the purpose of the church is to spread the gospel. That, um, yes, we can, yeah, helping the poor is good, but if you're going to be equally yoked with a false religion and doing good things, good works, but if you're tied in with them, you will not be able to spread the gospel in that ministry because you're tied in with them. The moment you start spreading the gospel, the moment you won't be able to be, they won't want to work with you if you're spreading the gospel. So, you know, those are just some things. We'll get deeper into that, all that stuff. Um, as far as the mystery religion, uh, the, uh, I, the lie of the serpent, I believe that every false religion is based on that lie of the serpent, that man can become gods, that we can reach God or become a god based on our works. I hope to do these episodes every Saturday evening, time permit, because I have a regular job and I have life. Sometimes I get busy and I won't be able to every Saturday, I'm sure. I planned to start last week, but I was painting in my in my house and didn't get to it. But that's the plan. Saturday evenings, I plan on posting these. The next episode, episode two, will be about creation versus evolution. So we have that to look forward to. Thank you all and have a wonderful day.